Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to the BU Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter. My mission is to empower people to become the best versions of themselves so that they can live their best lives. I'm redefining success so people stop living the lives they think they should live and start living the lives they love. Join me weekly as I share my own insights and speak with guests that have embraced their unique gifts into living life on their terms. I hope these conversations inspire you to make the most out of your life by being your best self. Remember, be you, be beautiful. Hey, you guys, do you ever feel stuck like you just don't know what to do next? To be honest, I have felt that way a lot. And what usually keeps me stuck is when I just think about it. And as an overthinker, I tend to just think about everything and think about it some more without taking any action. And that's just a bad cycle. Uh, But one of the things that I do try to do when I feel that way and that I always recommend to people is to journal about it. Journaling is just so helpful to get thoughts out of your head and to help you see a clearer picture of what's really going on. And with that in mind, I'm so excited to share this week's episode with you. I get to speak with author and coach Becca Ribbing. Her newest book is The Clarity Journal. I love that she created this journal to help people gain clarity and get unstuck. Like you really do have all the answers inside of you and a journal like this one that has some writing prompts is just really helpful to help pull those answers out of you. And in this episode, Becca shares her own story of getting unstuck, the importance of being authentic when it comes to finding clarity and how to take realistic action. With this episode and the Clarity Journal, Becca helps us to break out of the cycle of uncertainty and gain momentum to move forward. Enjoy. Before we get into the show, I wanted to take a moment to share how I host my podcast using Anchor. It's free and easy to use. You can record and edit using your phone or computer, and then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. It's super easy to use, and they do the work for you. I highly recommend using Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on to the show. Becca, thank you so much for joining me today for the BU podcast. Will you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah. So I am a coach. I've been a coach for over a decade now, and I just recently released the Clarity Journal, which is um, my wonderful little book to help people get unstuck and figure out what they want to do next with their lives. Awesome. I love it. I'm very excited to talk to you about your book today because... I know I personally have definitely had a lot of periods in my life where I have felt stuck and I'm just like, where were you, Becca? I needed you. (laughs) So I'm excited to get, (laughs) but now you have this resource for people. So I'm excited to talk to you about it, but I want to go back a little bit. Um, First of all, tell us a little bit more about what type of coaching you do and how you got into that. So I really focus on helping people gain clarity, figure out what they want to do, and then also how to get it once they figure it out. Cause I think that that's a part that a lot of people get hung up on. It's Mm -hmm. like, they go back and forth about what they want to do because they don't feel confident they can get it. And so they hold themselves back from going for it. Um, I got into it because I was in the middle of my own transition a long time ago. I right out of college, I did what everyone does. You get your first job. You think, you know, everything. And Mm -hmm. I was in that job for a while and It just wasn't it. Like I thought it was going to be great. And in a lot of ways it was good. It was a great learning experience, but 
it wasn't what I wanted. And I did the, like going and reading all the self-help books, like, and back in the day, you're like, what color is your parachute and figuring out my Myers-Briggs type and um, doing strengths finder and all of these things to really get clear about who I am. And as I was doing that, I had so many friends were were in that same situation where either their first, second job out of college wasn't quite right, or Mm -hmm. they never really figured out how to launch into the direction they wanted. Like they were stuck in kind of dead end admin jobs. And so as I was going through my learning process, I started helping all of them get jobs. And it was so much fun to see them then like really love the job they were doing and really like get into it. And I figured out I was really good at it. And so that's how I got into coaching. I kind of stumbled into it. I love that. And I'm kind of curious because I mean, I, yeah, that's kind of like what I went through after college. Like I had a job and I just kind of realized like I wanted more and I'm curious, like once you started diving into kind of like the self-help world, like what kind of, I guess, surprised you or like, do you kind of remember like having a idea of like what you wish you would have known like before college or anything? I think what I wish I knew before college is that professors don't live in the real world. Um, There aren't very many paths like professorship. Like you go and you get your PhD, you're you're in academia. And then afterwards you go through the grind of trying to get a tenure track job. And I feel like professors oftentimes are really like in a, what, in some ways, very expansive. Oh, you could do this. Oh, you could do that without saying you could do this. If you go get a PhD or you could do, go do that. If you get a master's degree, like Mm -hmm. without really explaining like what the steps are to get from point A to point C. And, and I, and I also just feel like they don't, because they are so used to having, you know, a job that they're hoping Mm -hmm. to have for the rest of their lives. It's just not very applicable in a lot of ways to the real world job situation Mm -hmm. and how to navigate finding that path and finding your mentors and really like how to move from one thing to another. Cause I think also, you know, I mean, my parents definitely did bounce around a lot more than most people did back in the day, but you know, they knew what they were going to do and they just did it. Yeah. (laughs) And and it's not that way. I mean, what I, I just read a statistic and it's something like 30% 30% of jobs didn't exist five years ago. Or oh, it was wow. some, I think it's, I think I'm overestimating it, but it was some really high number and we're just constantly coming up with new jobs mm-hmm. and new things. And I think I laughed. I saw this meme the other day where it was a, it wasn't a meme. It was like a um, screenshot of a job posting. And it was mm-hmm. like, must have 15 years experience managing social media accounts. And it's like, <laughs> um, okay. So what, like, I'm trying to even think what was 15 years ago, my space. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how does that matter to this job at all? You know? And it's, it, 
it's really important to know that like when people are guiding you, especially people that are older than you really Mm -hmm. recognizing that they don't have the answers because the answers are being developed as we speak and being able to be flexible and just recognize this is a path. Cause I, I laughed when you, when we, like when I introduced myself and you were like, Oh, I've been through that, like going back and forth, um, trying to figure it out. We go through that so many times in our lives. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I laugh because it's like, I wrote the clarity journal, but I feel like you're going to need it every three years because we're growing and expanding. And what works for you today isn't going to work for you in three years because it's going to be boring again. Like you're going to not, you're the challenge will have gone out of it. And so really just picturing this as a path where you're just figuring out what the next step is and recognizing that the next step, like if you can be authentic about it, like you might end up changing again. It's not going to be what you do when you're 60. Like it's going to be this like interesting progression where you're growing with it. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much because like, yeah, before people kind of thought like, oh, you're just going to get this job and it's going to be the same job that you're going to have for the next 40 years. And then you retire and that's what it is. But now like we get, you know, we have the opportunity to, um, change and develop and whatever statistic it is, like whether it's 30% or like lower than that, I think that's so fascinating because I do feel like, you know, like where were all these cool job opportunities when I was, you know, thinking about what I wanted to be when I grew up, like, I feel like it was so limited, but I just love that it's, you know, has expanded and there's so many, um, different opportunities and that it's going to continue to change and that we can continue to change along with that. And I'm curious, I want to kind of dive into what you said about being authentic about like the next step. Like, will you just kind of tell me a little bit more about what that looks like and how authenticity kind of plays along with that. So I find that if someone comes to me, um, the thinking that they might want coaching, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we'll have a conversation and in that conversation, they'll tell me what they think they should do. Mm -hmm. Um, and they'll use that word should. Yeah. And a lot of times that should is, what their parents think are safe is safe. What their spouse thinks is safe. What like people think they should want. And then, you know, we talk for 20, 30 minutes and it tends to revolve around that. And then I start asking questions about, Mm -hmm. well, is there anything else I should know about? Or have you ever thought about opening like a yoga studio or a coffee shop? Are there any off the wall ideas? Mm -hmm. And people always stop and say, and really think about it. And they're like, well, there's this thing, or there's these two things that I kind of think about, and Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do it. And I don't know whether it's a good, I don't know whether it's a good fit or if it's just the grass is always greener. And so I think that that authenticity is really recognizing what is your voice versus what the shoulds are from everyone else around you and from society and like what's going to be safe. Yeah. And I think that it's really important to be able to really dive into that either on your own or with a coach or with a friend, because it's really important to, to know yourself. You can't really be authentic about your purpose and your work life 
if you're holding yourself back from things that you're scared of. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, should word is pretty dangerous. (laughs) I think it it stops a lot of people. Um, so I'm curious with that of like, um, you know, I think that is like a huge, uh, hindrance for people to really gain that clarity they're looking for and admit it to themselves. But like, why else do you think that people struggle with finding clarity? You know, I think a big part of it is that we get stuck in, I don't want to say the negative, we get stuck in the problem. We get Mm -hmm. stuck thinking about like, what should I do? What do I do? Like, are, why can't my boss give me a raise? Why can't my company promote me? Like you get stuck in the very surface level problem and kind of obsessing over the problem so much that you can't really allow yourself to see the solution. And a lot of times people really want the solution to come easily and externally. They want the problem to be fixed. And so they don't take control over it. And I think the thing that I love about the clarity journal is um, that there's a lot of value in just looking at your problem in a different way. Mm -hmm. I actually came up with a clarity journal because I was again in another cycle of what, where do I want to go from here? Um, I was pretty happy with coaching, but I, it was like a crazy period of time for a while. I had my second child, I got pregnant with my second child. Mm -hmm. I had a bad chiropractic exam and ended up having to use a cane for half of my pregnancy. Oh my gosh. Then also in my third trimester moved from DC to Seattle, um, while basically, you know, disabled. And then when the poor kid was born, he's so sweet and so beautiful. So I always hate telling this, but like he, he had all these chronic ear infections. And so he's extremely fussy (laughs) for valid reasons. Like he wasn't like making it up. He was in pain, but so there was like, two years there where I was just underwater Mm -hmm. and I gave up a lot of the things I loved because I really was just trying to get by. And I think that what ends up happening is if we're in one of those periods, or if we're in a period where we're ready for a new, for new growth, when we're stuck in it. And I use the word we here because I do it too. Yeah. You're just looking at the problem. Like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what I want. I don't know how to get it instead of kind of expanding it and looking outside of the problem to find the solution. And so I was doing what everyone does. I was complaining about it with a girlfriend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably for like the fifth or 10th or 20th time. And she finally stopped me. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Becca, you're a coach. What would you tell a client? Yeah, (laughs) I was like, good coaching question too. (laughs) Good coaching question. Thanks a lot. Um, And I got off the phone and I just went and I wrote down every prompt I could think of. And as I was writing them, I started then doing them and I was getting more and more clear about like what aspects I was unhappy with and what needed to change, what was good and what needed to change. And I just, I really realized like coaching is valuable and wonderful, but having those questions can really help jar loose a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up figuring out that the, one of the things I wanted to do was restart my writing and I made it into a book. 
That's awesome. I love that. And I mean, so have you, um, like when you were kind of going through this process, um, I know some people just kind of like struggle with journaling because, you know, they struggle with like finding the right prompts and stuff. So this is really helpful, but do you have like a, uh, approach to like a recommended approach when it comes to like journaling and like using your book, like, you know, setting a timer or like how, how should people kind of approach that? I think that I would say that you should just try to be actually honest. Mm -hmm. Um, people often fall into one of two camps. They're either really positive or really negative in their journals. Mm -hmm. Like if you go, if you open up my, one of my journals from like middle school or high school, it will be all about like Tom or Chris or whatever, (laughs) you know, whatever guy I was obsessing about in that week. And it's very, it is, it's, it, I mean, I hate to use the word obsessing because, you know, I, mean, I was a teenager. It sounds a little harsh, <laughs> but, like, it's like, but we've all been there. We get it. <laughs> we've all, you, everyone gets that. Like being able to kind of move out of the problem and move into a more positive space. And then there's some people that do the exact opposite where mm-hmm. they basically use their journaling as a gratitude journal. And they're talking about like the butterflies and the happy, like the little kitties and like all the like happy things that are going on. Yeah. Even if there's like a big gaping hole. And so I'm a big believer in positivity, but you can't fix a problem if you refuse to allow yourself to see there's a problem in the first place. Yeah. And so I think that just honesty, like having yourself go a little deeper, question yourself a little bit more. But one of the really lovely things about having writing prompts versus just doing it on your own is that it kind of naturally gets you to be a little more honest with yourself because it catches you a little off guard. The questions kind of make you stop and think and have those aha moments a little bit more. Yeah. I love it. And so with, um, your book, the clarity journal, like, is it just, um, writing prompts or do you share like any like tips or stories in it or what's the format? So the format is basically there's, I think seven or eight chapters. Now I'm like, I'm like, (laughs) I need to go count. Um, and each chapter starts out with kind of a couple pages of getting your head in the right place to get started and like what the thought process is behind it. And then I feel like people can just do the prompts that speak to them. Um, I do start with the positive because I think it's really important. I think sometimes people throw the baby out with the bathwater. They forget the good things that are going on in their lives or the good things about their jobs or whatnot. And they're so desperate to move on to the next thing that they're not watching to make sure they don't lose something in the transition. Mm-hmm. And so really focusing on that and then focusing on the, and then focusing on the problem, then figuring out like what it is that you are struggling with, where it is, you don't know what decisions you have to make. Because a lot of times when people say they don't have clarity, mm-hmm. the problem isn't so much that they don't have clarity is that they haven't made a decision. And so a lot of this is really about helping you sift through the information that you do know in order to come up with a solid decision that you can start moving forward on. Because when you're stuck in indecision, your brain is kind of wired so that it doesn't do, it wants to not do work that's not needed. Um, yeah. 
like, and I'm not going to call it lazy. Like, I think it's actually evolutionary and makes a lot of sense. Like, don't go run after the mastodon if you don't need to go run after the mastodon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you might get gored by, you know, like, <laughs> like, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, and so if you don't really have a clear sense of what you want to do next, then it's really easy to get stuck because you're not going to take action on something you're not sure about, because obviously if you're not sure about it, all of that work might get wasted. Mm -hmm. And I think that once you do gain that clarity, then you can tackle things like starting friction, like insecurity, but you're not going to be able to really tackle those until you've made the decision in the first place to move forward. Yeah. I think that's so good that you make that distinction that you know, a lot of people actually do probably have clarity, but it's that they haven't made the decision. And just thinking about my own experience, I feel like that's kind of like what has happened with me in the past is like, I kind of clearly knew like what I wanted and what I needed to do, but it's that like next step of like making the decision and committing to it and like finding out what's next is just like, I'm like, Oh, I don't really know about that. So I, maybe I'm just not clear on what I should do. (laughs) Well, and especially if the people around you aren't super thrilled with the decision, right. You know, if you're telling your mom, I'm going to go be a doctor and like, she's wanted to be a doctor all over your life. Like, sure. She'd be like, great. Like go study, like, go, like, go ace that test. And I'm forgetting what the test is, (laughs) (laughs) but You know, if you want to decide, if you decide you want to go be an actor, well, I can guarantee you, if you tell 90% of the human population that what you're going to do is go be an actor, all of them are going to be like, uh, okay. It's really hard to get that momentum if everyone responds in that, uh, okay, are we sure that's safe mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of way? And then it's, then you kind of tiptoe around it. Then you go, I mean, acting is such an easy one to use because so many people are familiar with the path and permit familiar with the stereotypes and stuff, right. but it's like, but it is a path. Like you go like audition and you know, you'll, and you, like, it's a whole me like not meme it's a whole like theme of like lots of movies like oh well I auditioned once or you know I like kind of there's always an excuse not to Mm -hmm. and so I think that really being able to fully embrace and move forward both involves you deciding that you're going to do it but also then making sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who have done it who are doing it and who aren't going to be unrealistic. Like you're going to be like, Oh yeah, you're going to make $3 million on your first movie. This is great. But also see it as a valid path forward. I think one thing I talk to people a lot about is reaching out to people who have done it before and not necessarily the Oprah's of the world or people that have like really hit like a pinnacle is like, or pinnacle. You want people who have, you know, are two, three steps ahead of you who really, you know, want to help, but also aren't going to like, you know, aren't so far ahead that what, like that you're going to be 
totally blown away. Like, I don't know how to do that. Like, I can't see how to get from there to there. Cause I think that like getting from A to C is just so important. And we're not really taught how to do that. We're not really supported in it. We're like, basically it's like sink or swim in school, right? Like when you aren't doing well in school, it's like, oh, well you need to button buckle down. You need to study harder. You need to do this. You need to do that. And it's never about, oh, like it's almost never about, Hey, you need to find the right tutor or you need Mm -hmm. to like, this isn't working for you. Maybe try a different book and see if that makes sense to you. And I think that that being able to reframe is super important and we just really aren't taught it. Yeah, you're so right. And I feel like just this past year, I've really recognized that like small baby steps will get you to where you want to go. Cause I think the other part of people kind of getting stuck as they see, well, I want to be there, but that is so far away. It's like never going to happen. I don't know anyone who's there already. So like, how can I make it happen? But yeah, if you find someone who's just like a little bit ahead of you, um, then you can kind of see like, oh, these are the steps that like are actually, um, that I am actually able to do as well. Like, it's not that hard if I take like this like small step forward rather than like this giant leap to who knows where. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and it sets up bad expectations, I think. And I think I I always liken it to, you know, if you're watching a sitcom and a woman's going through childbirth, Mm -hmm. like intellectually, you know, that that woman would have been in childbirth for a lot longer, but all you're (laughs) seeing is like 30 seconds of screaming at her husband. Mm -hmm. And then everyone's all cleaned up and beautiful and has this baby that like probably is six months old in their hands, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's really important to recognize that there's, uh, that there's a middle, that there's, that, Mm that, that is messier and grittier and filled with a lot more yelling (laughs) in my case, (laughs) you know, it's important to recognize that we see these stories Mm -hmm. and then we feel like we should have been able to get to point A to point B in like the span of an hour or the span of like, you know, a season of television that we just binge watched, which is like what, like 10 hours, right? you know, and we don't recognize, oh, there's this great book called the messy middle and anyone that's stuck in the cycle, I would highly recommend reading it because it's all about like how we really ignore the middle of the story. We tell the beginning and we tell the end in our society and you know, the water breaks, the woman goes off to the hospital. Then like 10 seconds later, she's screaming at her husband, 10 more seconds, there's a baby in her arms. <laughs> like we need that middle because it, you know, it, that formula is followed over and over again. Every success story mm-hmm. we read about, you know, there's always the like, Oh, like, here's how this got started. And here's like mm-hmm. one little point that like was really hard to overcome. And then ta-da, we have our hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much in that middle part. And then I was just kind of thinking, um, like, especially like when you're finding clarity on something, really understanding like what it might take or what that middle looks like. I think can really help someone even find more clarity. Cause even just like thinking about, you know, when you are like thinking about like college and like what you want to study, you're like, Oh, I'm just going to get this job when I graduate and it's going to be great. But I feel like I've found so many people who 
after they graduated from college and then like got to their job, they're like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Or like, there's so much other stuff to it that I didn't realize that was going to be a part of this career. And it's like, maybe if we had, you know, been able to see a little bit more into that middle part, we would have reevaluated sooner of like, is this really what I want to do? Or, you know, do I need to think about something different? So I have a funny story about that. I, um, so it, during that hip injury, um, one of the things I did was Pilates. And mm-hmm. when you're doing Pilates, you basically have, when you're doing like kind of hardcore Pilates, it's one-on-one. And I was talking with the, my new Pilates instructor and she was, you know, really great. They're very like, I don't know, every Pilates instructor I've ever met is very chatty because you kind of have to be, if you're working one-on-one with someone, you're like just sitting there with them for an hour. Yeah. And so I was chatting with her and just like, Oh, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm a coach. And I was explaining kind of my philosophy and like making sure that people know what they're doing. And one of the things I usually talk about is, you know, reaching out to people, like making sure that what you're thinking you might want to do aligns with what the reality of it is. Mm-hmm. And she laughed. She's like, if I had hired you, I would have never become a Pilates instructor. Oh. And I was like, uh oh, but I was like, okay, I'll bite. Why wouldn't you have become a Pilates instructor? Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, Pilates is a split shift. Like when you're working in fitness, you're working really early in the morning for all of the like people that want to work out before work. Mm-hmm. Then you have, then it starts tapering off like around 10. Like you got the stay at home moms that come like from nine to 10, right after school's gone back. And then you really have nothing until four. And so you have this six hour gap in the middle of your day. And let's face it. A lot of times they don't make that much money. So this woman Mm -hmm. was like working, working in a really like higher end area. And her commute was, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And so she didn't have time to go back home in the middle of the day and go do what she wanted to do or go take a nap. So she really like was at loose ends. And Mm -hmm. so it felt like she was working from 5 AM to 8 PM every day. And it was just, even though she loved teaching Pilates, she yeah. did not like that. And I thought that was so interesting because I laughed because I really internally, I didn't laugh at her, but yeah. internally I was laughed because I was like, oh, I totally would have pointed that out our first conversation. <laughs> um, and, you know, but it's really important to have your assumptions checked because the grass is always greener. Like mm-hmm. it is so easy to idealize what you're going to go into. It's easy to be like, oh, I'm going to be a Pilates instructor. I'm going to teach people. They're going to get it. They're going to feel good in their bodies. That's going to feel awesome. And it is going to feel awesome. Yeah. However, <laughs> like if you don't figure out an, a novel way to have a business about it, like, and you're actually just going to be a phys- Pilates instructor at someone else's company, it's going to be mm-hmm. horrible hours. Like, yeah, and you're not going to make that much money. It's not like you have horrible hours, but you're a doctor and you're making $300,000 a year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Then they're like, so there's so much to that. I'm kind of curious. Like, did you have like more of a conversation to help her kind of reframe like her thoughts around that? Not really because, well, I mean, because I'm very mindful. I don't really want to coach people that aren't 
interested in coaching, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I don't really like making them feel bad about the job that they're doing right now. Unless yeah. they, you know, it's like, and I also don't want the owner of the Pilates instruct in studio to be like, okay, you people keep quitting on me because of you. <laughs> you um, keep pushing them to leave. <laughs> right. I, I think that in that situation, if I was going to really coach someone, I'd be like, okay, well, are you interested in like building an online business or are you interested in like creating one-on-one instruction? Like, cause I think that like, if you really targeted the stay at home mom community, then you could have a nice schedule, yeah. you know, like there's, there are ways to do it. I would never tell anyone not to follow their dream, mm-hmm. but when we are starting something new, we don't have the experience to really evaluate And I think that we're kind of in this like era of Google where we feel like we should be able to Google something and figure out the answer without that human experience, without that human contact. And throughout the rest of society, we always valued elders. You know, we always valued elders experience. And I think that that's one of the reasons why podcasts are so like, why they speak to so many people, because at a Mm -hmm. certain level, that is a way of like getting insight and hearing people's experience because the best podcasts are really authentic and pull that in. But there is huge value in being able to ask questions Mm -hmm. and like take scenarios and run them with someone. And it's important to really recognize that if you're starting out that yes, you can hire a coach totally Mm -hmm. all for the coaching, but you can also just start reaching out to more people. And it's so funny because when we reach out to people, you know, 80% of them are going to be too busy and they're not going to reply to you, Mm -hmm. but absolutely none of them are going to write you back and be like, how dare you ask me? (laughs) Um, the only people I've ever had, like that have had negative experiences is like they tried to reach out to a coach to pick their brain for free. That's right. not going to work well. Someone who's like made this their business, mm-hmm. that's not going to work that well. But however, most people are not actually interested in starting a coaching business. Like they're interested in doing, you know, architecture or like, maybe I should go back and be a nurse or whatever. Yeah. And just like creating a cohort that that you can kind of follow, like Mm -hmm. of people that are slightly above you that can like help you kind of sift that information. I think that, you know, when we're younger, so many people, I'll get someone who's in their twenties and, and I know I felt this way when I was like in my early twenties, like, why don't I have a mentor? Like Mm -hmm. who's going to be my mentor? And, and we think being mentored is something you just kind of fall into, but being mentored is actually something you should seek out. Like Mm -hmm. people don't like, it's just the same thing. Like, well, did you like help coach that person, the Pilates instructor on how to like make a better life for herself. And it's like, well, no, cause she didn't ask. Right. You yeah. know? <laughs> like if she had asked, I totally would have run with it. <laughs> she would have, yeah. like, I would have been paying a lot of money basically to have coaching sessions because <laughs> <laughs> I love what I do and I, yeah. don't, I wouldn't have minded, but you know, it's like, if you don't ask, you're going to stay stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so uh, important like a lot of people don't ask questions. And I mean, I, I feel like I am horrible at, you know, asking for help and stuff like that. So that's something I'm working on, but it's so funny how we just think that we're supposed to figure everything out on our own and we shouldn't ask, or that we just assume that someone will say no, but people are actually really helpful and want to help each other. And 
you know, we were made to, you know, help each other. Like that's why everyone has different gifts and stuff so that they can, you know, pass it along for someone who doesn't have it yet. Or, um, I'm curious if you have like a client, like success story or anything that you want to share where someone like, you know, really found clarity and like how it changed their life. You know, it's hard because I have a very hard time. Like ethically, I really can't um, give specifics, like yeah. where <laughs> identify the person. And so then it gets like complicated, like, oh, am I being unspecific enough? So <laughs> I, like, I, I actually have a hard time with that. I would yeah. say that um, the thing that I love, the thing that makes what I do really satisfying is having someone come back to me three months later and be like, I still love this job. This Mm -hmm. was totally the right move. And I think that that is even more true when I've talked someone out of taking a couple jobs, because I think that part of what my job is, is to make sure that someone doesn't make the wrong move. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's so easy if you're unhappy where you are to just convince yourself to Mm -hmm. kind of gaslight yourself that it, you know, that the next move like it makes sense when it doesn't and really stay and be patient because the right thing is coming. Right. Um, You know, I, and I think sometimes it's hard to do that. And, and I know it's hard for me even to hold that space when someone's unemployed because, Mm -hmm. you know, when someone's unemployed, it's like, you need money. So it kind of depends on life situation. Like there are definitely times where I know someone's probably not going to be super happy and I'm like, Oh yeah, but you might need to do it. Mm-hmm. But going into it, eyes wide open and recognizing that I think is actually empowering because then you're going into it like, okay, I'm going to spend the next 12 months job searching yeah. and I'm going to get a job in 12, like within the next 12 months. Like that's fine. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's just really making sure that you feel like you have agency and power over where you are and you're not outsourcing it to other people. Yeah. Yeah. That I, that's really powerful. Um, cause I think so many people, I mean, I feel like it goes of like one of two ways of like either people just like, don't think something can happen. So they just stay where they are hating their job and like hating a majority of their life because they spend 40 hours a week there or they just kind of give up too soon or, you know, settle for something um, where it's like, no, just if you make a plan or if you just kind of change your attitude about it, like, yeah, I want a new job in, in 12 months. And while I'm here, I need to, you know, make the most out of my job and understand why I need this job, but it's okay to it's kind of like a fine line between being like, make like being content with where you are, but then like knowing that you're going to be able to have a next step. That's going to be where you want to be. Right. And I think that there's also a lot that you can do to make things better where you are that a lot of mm-hmm. people don't know. Like yeah. I, and then the number one thing, when people come to me, it's like my boss micromanages and it's driving me crazy. And I need a new job. Like, I yep. need a new job <laughs> yesterday. And you know, it is actually possible to help fix a micromanaging dynamic 
if you can stop being angry about it and really see what the fear is of the other person and really like not confront that fear in a negative way, but head off that fear. Like if you know, your boss is always panicked at the beginning of a project starting, then you can just send emails. You know, Mm -hmm. I have told this to multiple people. It's like, send an email every time you're doing something new with like, you don't need to reply to this. I just want to make sure you're aware. It wouldn't work for everyone because some bosses would be like, oh my God, leave me alone. But the micromanagers really like all that information. Mm -hmm. And, and if you end it with, Hey, I'm just going to do this. It's okay. But if you have any feedback you want to give me, feel free. It just helps calm the other person down. And now should you have to calm down anxious bosses? No, but (laughs) like, you know, but it is the reality of the situation, especially if someone has not been trained to be a good manager. Right. I find that lots of managers really struggle because they're expected all this. They were great at whatever job they had. Mm -hmm. And usually they were great because they like really buckled down and did it. And then all of a sudden they have five people or 10 people they're managing. They can't possibly do it all. Right. But they're not used to delegating and feeling confident that that person they are delegating to is just going to get it done. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. That's like a whole another topic that I could dive into you with. Cause I'm just, I'm also like, I'm, I love, um, just like emotional intelligence and being self-aware and especially just like for, you know, this topic of clarity, just kind of understanding how, like what you can and cannot control. And, you know, we can't control what other people do, even though like, we like really wish they wouldn't be a micromanager. We can't control that, but we can do other things to kind of help um, help us relieve a little bit of the stress or maybe catch them before they're going to micromanage us and, you know, just being aware of how people work and what you can do to maintain your own sanity. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, I always love asking just like, how has being yourself impacted your like success and had an impact on your life? Mm, I love that question. I think that for me, you know, it's, it's a cycle. I don't always, sometimes I lose touch with myself, you know, life, Mm -hmm. life gets in the way. I think that as we are coming out of the pandemic, I think a lot of people have had one or two, one of two experiences. Mm -hmm. They've really dived into themselves over this last year and a half and have figured out a lot of stuff. I meet a lot of people that are kind of energized about what they're doing next. And then you have the people that have been panicked. Um, maybe they're anxious. Maybe, you know, they have, maybe they have, they are a relative have um, an existing condition that's made this just really stressful and horrifying. Yeah. And I think that recognizing those ebbs and flows within myself makes it so much easier to be self-compassionate, makes it so much easier to, instead of getting stuck beating myself up, move forward and be able to recognize it for what it was and not let it hold me back. Like a great example is the clarity journal. I was almost Mm -hmm. done with a clarity journal, like basically the month 
that the pandemic hit. Yeah. And you know, I've got two kids. I've got my mom and my stepdad that they don't live with us, but they live like three blocks away. I was like grocery shopping for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, it was just really stressful and scary. And yeah. like, and the Clarity Journal didn't get out for another year and a half. That's mm-hmm. fine. Like, it, is it ideal? No. Like, would it have been nicer to get it out earlier? Sure. But I think being right. self-compassionate means that you recognize that there were reasons for what you did mm-hmm. and you don't dwell on it. Like it's okay that it was, it took longer than I meant it to because it went out eventually. Right. And I think some people get really stuck if things go wrong and then they're feeling, then like once things aren't going wrong, then they start beating themselves up and then it never gets out. Yeah. Right. Like they're stuck on that final thing and they give up because they feel too bad about it. And mm-hmm. I think that that for me, is the answer to that question is just really being able to recognize when I'm in that cycle and be self-compassionate so that I can keep moving forward. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I mean, yeah, like your book is still out and I think it's still great timing, especially now as people really are taking a harder look at their career and what they want out of life. So um, yeah, I think the timing is still great. And you just bring up a good point of like, even if something happens and it's delayed, like it's still out there, it's better than it like never being out there. Um, and so where can people like find your book and uh, just connect with you and work with you? So you can find the book on Amazon, super easy. And then you can find me at BeccaRibbing.com. Becca is B-E-C-C-A, Ribbing, R-I-B-B-I-N-G. And I'm sure both of those will be in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. I will definitely put them in in the show show notes. Um, And is there any message that you want to leave with people today? Oh, this is going to sound a little trite, but (laughs) the one I usually end with is life actually is short. And I work with a lot of clients that are in their late fifties or Mm sixties. And when I hear their stories, there was always a reason not to start earlier. Mm -hmm. And And then they get to a point where they feel like they're too late to start and they're scared. And I just, avoiding that cycle is so important. And if you are really struggling with this, there's always going to be a reason why today is not the day to buy the Clarity Journal or to figure this out. Like Mm -hmm. there's always going to be a reason, like your kid's sick, you know, there's a pandemic. They can vary in size and shape, (laughs) but it's really important to put yourself first and put your future happiness first. Yes. Yeah. I am all about that. There are too many people that just kind of put their lives on hold and aren't doing what they're, you know, meant to do or want to do. And yeah, life is short and you never know what's going to happen. So it's like, you've got to take action now. So I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was really fun. I'm glad I got to come on. Thank you for listening to the BU podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and write me a review. I would love to hear from you. And you can find me on Instagram at beautifulchick or on my website, beautifulchick.com. Remember, be you, be beautiful.